my name is Hannah Reeve. I'm the founder of Nature Nurtures, where we help social entrepreneurs, passionate teachers and earliest practitioners to set up their own outdoor nurseries, forest schools and outdoor projects for children. Joining me today is Carly Etrich, the founder of Wonderwoods Forest School in the West Midlands in the UK. Carly has built Wonderwoods from the ground up, starting in 2017 and recently incorporating as a community interest company. We'll hear a bit more about what she's been up to and what's led her to get to this point. Starting with, I really enjoy community interest company transformation, Carly, so we'll get there. But let's start with, how did the idea, first of all, come for Wonderwoods? How did it come about? Well, I think I've always worked with children in one area or another. I'm really passionate about about working with children and I absolutely love my own. So, um, And if I'm honest, setting up Wonderwoods Forest School for me came from a place of heartbreak, really. And it was a way of incorporating, going back to work after a really difficult time, doing something I loved because I didn't really want to be away from my children. But I knew if I was doing something I love, it would it would make the transition easier. Yeah. And just I love being outside. I feel like a completely different person. As soon as I step outside, I just feel happier. Um, So I kind of just wanted to incorporate all of my loves, really. And it sounds really cheesy, but it's nurture my soul along the way, really. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's how it got there, really. So for you, was it having your own children sort of triggering that or really thinking about yourself and what's going to be fulfilling and, and to help you in your life? Or a bit of everything? I think it's a bit of everything. I grew up very much outside a lot. My grandparents had a farm. I'd sit in my granddad's tractor during harvest time with my mum driving the tractor, my dad in the other one, my sister somewhere, you know, roaming free. I grew up with my feet very much buried in the mud 90% of the time. And I found school a bit of a challenge, really. You know, academically, I was fine, but I just, I found it really hard to sit still. I didn't I didn't love, you know, sitting in the same place, doing the same thing. That wasn't really my thing. And then I think I spent a lot of time in nature throughout my life. If I if I feel stressed, I go out for a walk, you know, and and then I think having the children, it's just my go to. If you know, if we want something to do, we just go outside. Um, And I think it just came at a, a really amazing time for me where I could encompass all of it I could just go you know what actually I can help people who perhaps feel the same way that I do I can help myself by being outside the majority of the time and I also wanted to do something that our children could get involved in and could become part of their lifestyle um I wanted to have a job that they could come with me to they could be part of they could have ideas for they could help me you know, build the things that the children play with. I just, I wanted it to be a full-on family affair. So, um, yeah, I'd been, you know, like we mentioned before, I've, I've worked with children in varying ways, but I'm someone who likes to look after people. So for me, it kind of does that. And like I say, it came at a really difficult time. We really sadly lost um, a baby. To be honest, it was absolutely soul-destroying. And I just couldn't, I couldn't figure out a way through it. I couldn't, I'd never felt like this before. I'm I'm a very positive person. And like I say, I always head outside and I just couldn't figure out how I was going to get through it because both of our children were at school. And I thought, what am I going to do? You know, I haven't got another, the baby that I thought I was going to be able to nurture. I didn't have him. So for me, it was right. I've got to, I've got to focus this and I've got to channel it in a way that I can make memories for him because he can't be here and make them. And 
I just really, really wanted to have an impact on other children's lives because I'm someone who thinks that everything happens for a reason and who believes that positives can come out of most situations. So I just I just wanted to make sure I made some positives in his name, really. And that's really what's driven me, to be honest. Well, what was his name, Carly? What was his name? Wilbur. Wilbur. Beautiful. Yeah. So when... Thank you. Can we ask a bit more? Like, When did this happen? It was December 2015. Yeah, I mean, we'd we'd lost two pregnancies previously to that, but they were early um, and and we lost him at uh, 20 weeks. So he was a a bit later. So it had quite a big impact. Yeah, you can imagine on all of you as well, the whole family. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And so... So for you, you were looking for a way to help yourself and to help your family through this. Yeah, I, yeah, I suppose I haven't really thought of it in that way. But I think um, I'm someone that's very, very driven by my heart. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I just needed something that could maybe bring us all back together and bring other people into. Yeah, I think I was just searching. I had a bit of an emptiness and I just perhaps needed to fill a void. And I mean, it's, it's done that. I mean, it's definitely done that. I think it's interesting as well, because we'll, we'll move on to, into this, but I think some of the enterprises that you have or the programmes that you run at Wonderwood, your, your most important ones are, are groups that you call the nurture groups. Yeah. And that's where you're having a sort of, you're having a parent and child session. With, so you're having yes. these family sessions together. And mm-hmm. that seems to me that it sits at the heart of what your setting is about. <laughs> I think it very much did originally. I think it's, it's evolving yeah. as, as I am, yeah. which actually is lovely. It's so nice to be part of the evolving process, really. But I think for me, it was about nurture because I love being with my children. Absolutely. It's my favourite time. And I think I just wanted a place where families feel safe and accepted and welcomed. So I think you're right. I think that did sit at the heart of things. Yeah, well, it still does. Yeah. And then, of course, things, you know, evolve and they grow and we're humble here more about that as well so i love these stories where and i'm hearing more and more of these where forest school ends up as part of a personal transformation journey or transformational yeah. journey mm. um and it sounds like for you this is something that pulled you out of an absolute moment of complete yeah. despair and, and grief and yeah absolutely and got you to mm. something really special uh, and being able to serve and your community and help other families is that fair to yeah. say yeah I think that's exactly it I feel incredibly fortunate actually that I've found the forest school ethos because it is the most beautiful journey it's and I think the wonderful thing about it both for practitioners and families who enter into it is it's so different for everyone everyone gets something different from it everyone you know we don't all come with the same ideas and it's it's just the most amazing process because it's a bit like nature you can just kind of blossom in your own way can't you absolutely I think so. I love it. Of yeah, course. it's incredible. That's why we're here. <laughs> so let's go a little bit further back then. So just to hear a bit more about your background, because yeah, you've got your degree. What did you do your mm-hmm. degree in? Uh, social policy. And then, and then what did you do after that? So did you use that degree or did you go move into something else? I didn't use that degree. Well, I kind of did because, it, you know, it's amazing. I met my partner while I was doing my degree. So, you know, it was amazing. And then I trained, retrained to be um, a hospital play specialist. Yeah, which I think 
part of me had originally wanted to be a pediatric nurse you know just life changes and you know we don't always go the way we'd originally planned do we we take long and winding and I think roads. That's, <laughs> yeah and I've, I've taken many of those yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes yeah, so I retrained to do be a hospital play specialist which was amazing you know the year that I did my training was amazing and very insightful and quite humbling and I mean it just made me even more in awe of how amazing children are and I think it, it kind of put life into perspective for me a little bit I hadn't I didn't have children at that point but I mean they're just incredible they're just the most amazing well I don't want to say things because that's not what they are but they're just incredible so I enjoyed doing that but unfortunately there just weren't many jobs in that area because I'm Sadly, it's seen as a luxury rather than as a necessity for children to play when they're in hospital. And I think funding and, you know, it's a difficult place. It's it's such a crucial Uh, role because this role is essential uh, to helping children to go through procedures as well. So like local anaesthetic, general anaesthetic, all of these things that need to happen, they they do need that support and that therapeutic input as well for those having long-term treatments. I think it's a very special job, but difficult to get into because once you're in it, you, you, you tend to stay in. It, which I think the why that there aren't so many jobs around. Yes, I think you're absolutely right, um, and I think as well, it's again, it's another job where building relationships mm. is key. Yeah, and then I think once you've built those, why would you want to leave? You know, yeah. it's you know, it's a lovely role. Um, but yeah, then like I say, we had George, and um, yeah, he stopped me in my tracks a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Again, again, for the better. I loved it. So it's fine. A wonderful surprise. That's good. Absolutely. Yeah. So you got into, so the forest school leader training came up. Can you remember where you were when you decided, hang on, I'm going to have a go at this. This is for me. Um, I had, a, I was sitting in the lounge at home and um, I just thought I've got, I've got, to, I've got, I've got to make a bit of a change here. I need to do, I need to find something that I'm really passionate about. And I found a website which caught my eye and read through it. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to give this a go and emailed Sarah, the lovely lady that runs it. And she was equally as lovely. Yeah. I just thought, you know what? I didn't, I didn't even really think about it too hard to be honest. I just thought I'm going to just pay for this and do it because if I don't do it now, I never will. And it was the best decision I think I've made for a long time. (laughs) And here you are almost five years later. Yeah. Yeah. You did your training. You did the forest school leader training. What happened after Mm -hmm. that? So I did, you're all fired um, up, I've done your training. What yeah, comes next? Well, I, did, I, I, I did my training and during my training, I volunteered at our children's school. And they, at that point, they were both doing forest school at school. So that was great. And I yeah, volunteered there twice a week, which was, it, it was an amazing experience. It was really helpful and a really positive experience. And then I thought, this is amazing. But I, I kind of felt like it, I wanted to work to my own you know, my own beat a little bit because yeah, that's just, you know, just how I am. And, um, (laughs) and then I kind of just went searching for some land and then I met the most amazing people who are just, well, they're just amazing. Um, so so let's pause, just pause there. So how did you find that? So you you go about looking for a bit of land. What does that look like? How did you do that? Well, I just kind of, I like to talk. I like, I love a chat. And I was, I was talking to someone and I said, oh, you know, I've been doing this. And they said, oh, hang on a minute. I might know someone who's, who's got some land. So I said, no, okay. And I had a chat with them and then they said, oh, give them a ring. So I rang these, the people and they said, oh, come and meet us. So I did. And I went round to their house. And so 
to cut a long story short, I work in their back garden, really. And they are just amazing. They're so amazing. They've got 25 acres of land. They've lived there. Their families before them have lived there. Their families before that. And they have just kind of um, give, you know, well, I can't, there's nothing other than amazing. They're just, they're just so kind. And we just click. We just get on really, really well. We share a lot of the same ideas, thoughts, you know, they're, they are, so they grew flowers. So they're into all the same things as me. They were biology teachers. So they've got an amazing background in everything outside. They teach me loads just from having a conversation with them. And we just kind of muddle along. It's, it's great. So you have- it's great. It's like having a second home. It's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, right. So you, you were introduced to these people um, and you found there's some really good shared synergy, which is fantastic. And yeah. then how do you go about putting together an agreement with people like this? Because presumably you have some kind of agreement in place yeah. in terms of paying rent um, and so forth. Yes, absolutely. So originally we worked on a bit of a trial error, trial and error. They wanted, they said to me, have it for a few weeks, see how you get on, you know, and, and then we'll take it from there. I think they rented their space out to various people over the years. And I think I'm the person that's always stayed the longest. I think it, it, it works. I pay rent on a monthly basis. I, you know, I am very, very fortunate. I get free run of, of the 25 acres. And to have to be able to work on private land is just a dream come true. It's just amazing. I have a small woodland in the center of their land. Um, and I have a studio in one of their barns, which I've only had my studio for, for just over a year. And yeah, I've... I've, I've Sorry, is that a space that the children can use as well? Yes, I think, yeah, the whole idea behind the studio was that it was built with the hope that um, we will turn parts of the business into a nursery at some point. And for my eco groups, and I'm going to be starting some groups with children for children with additional needs. So it might be that for them, it's better to start there. And, you know, it's just nice to have a meeting point sometimes, isn't it? Like a focal point. Wonderful piece of land by the sounds of it. You've got your woodland mm. in the centre and then you've now got this new fantastic indoor space. Yeah. I guess you have yeah. parking and the access is good. Yes, so I'm very fortunate. It's next to a cricket club. Um, uh-huh. The people who own my land also own the cricket club. So there's parking there, which is amazing. And because I can use any areas, I can kind of adapt to whoever's coming really. So if I need access that's like wheelchair access, I can do that. I can, I just go to a different space. I mean, my nurture groups are primarily in the woods, which is a short walk from the car park, but I also have a little summer house in their gardens. I can kind of adapt to whatever I need really, which is amazing. That's great. That's really good. And then so how has your use of that space, that land, developed over time? If Looking back, how has that evolved? Um, I think it's, I perhaps don't use it as I thought I would when mm-hmm. I first started there. I think because with our children, we just very much roam freely and just take what we need and we just roam about. I think when you have parents with children, there's perhaps a different expectation. Mm-hmm. So I think we, we do tend to go to the woods and I do tend to have perhaps little invitations to play out for them to experience. And because, you know, you do get some children that come and they've perhaps not played in this way before. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they need something to scaffold their play a little bit. But gradually, I kind of remove those things as they become, you know, happier in the surroundings. And I think I do holiday clubs too. I I use the space completely differently for those. 
because it's very it's very wild and free. We just roam and I have a couple of trolleys full of things and we end up wherever we fancy and I'm very, you know just led by the children 100%. I think it's it evolves constantly. It does and I think the challenging thing but having a site like you have and actually working in the way that you're talking about because you have these different enterprises, I call them enterprises, just thinking about it from a business point of view. So you've got your nurture groups where the children or the family sign up for a six week minimum, which is fantastic because you've got that guaranteed income. But you also have that investment from that family in terms of them really getting to understand the ethos and getting embedded. And then naturally that creates a feed through into other groups or, you know, as, as you've alluded to, one day into a nursery as well, because you're already creating that ethos. But as you said, the site then and you, the way that you work needs to adapt to those different groups that you have coming. So yes, absolutely, it will look really different when it's a parent-child session compared to a holiday club with some older children and it's completely free play. Those will look completely different. And that can be challenging. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And that's something I've had to really, really, really work hard on because organisation is not my strong point. I like to, you know, just pick up a bag and, and go. I have had to work really hard on that, but actually I enjoy it because I think But with my nurture group, I think you're, you, you've hit the nail on the head. It's that having that six week block. The whole idea is that I really get to know the children and I really understand if one child needs something different to another. And, and I keep my groups quite small in comparison to perhaps, you know, that's play, stay and play. That's why I don't call it stay and play, because it's very much a small group where if I see a child that needs a little bit extra time on there, I'll, I'll sit with them and I'll spend as much time as they need. And I never rush people away. If a child doesn't want to leave, then I make sure I have enough time at the end of a session that they can take that time to walk slowly back or, you know, I don't want to rush anyone. I don't want any parent to feel stressed. You know, I want them to leave and think, oh, that was, that was really nice and relaxing. I think you've done a really clever thing here. You've differentiated a stay and play to something that you've put together and called nurture group. I think it's, it's, it's a very clever thing for the reasons that you're describing. Because stay and plays, you end up with families dipping in and out and it gets really difficult to know them, doesn't it? I think that's... That's what I find difficult because I think for me, relationships are so important. And like you're saying about the different groups or enterprises, as you call them, my whole ethos is obviously completely led by the Forest School ethos. But my, my hope is that I, I have these families, children, groups, and I would love them to stay forever. So it's making sure I can offer them all different things so that they start when they're two and when they're 15, they still want to come back and volunteer and do, and you know, it's a, I just desperately, desperately want them all to be with me forever. You know, it's that I want them, I want it to be part of their soul. I want it to be part of their growing up, part of their, their lives. Yeah. It's, it's just that, 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 yeah. I thought probably digressed a little, I've digressed a little bit there. I'm sorry, no, but. Carly, you're fantastic. So you are a community builder. You're somebody who's passionate about their communities and likes to activate communities, excite them and to get them being healthy again, getting them outdoors and getting them connecting with one another. This is what I think this sounds like to me. You love that family feel, that community feel. That's really important to you. That's what drives this. People are like you are the ones who are changing the world at the moment. So this is, I think, particularly in response to things like the pandemic and lockdowns and so forth. 
this is a movement that we're seeing more and more, but you're one of the pioneers was already oh. doing this long before. <laughs> it's exciting. Well, that's very kind. I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm just doing something I love. I really oh, do think thank you are. Yeah, so I've got my nurture groups. I also have just started an eco group, which is for children who are eight and above. And this is really because I'm passionate about the environment. I'm passionate about animals. I lo- absolutely love them. And also my, our youngest, who is nine, is very, very passionate about wildlife. And, you know, she's not, she doesn't love school, you know, but there's a lot of groups and she thought, I don't want to do all those things. So we said, you know what, we'll, we'll start one together. So she started that with me. Our oldest will come too, but that's very definitely for Mabel, our youngest, who wants to make a little bit of a difference and wants to be involved. And that is, we're just, it's, it's literally just started this week, that one. So again, it's an evolving process. And I met with the children last night and we chatted and we had a walk and we built a hedgehog house and we talked about all the things we'd like to do over the coming months and we will just see how that all evolves and we'll hopefully get in touch with council and do some bits in the local parks and just engage with the local community really and get people involved with we already do litter picks and things like that so it's just trying to think about different them getting their minds thinking about different things really because it's that thing of i think if children aren't involved they don't understand it and you know it's, it's just easier isn't it if, they, if they're there and they're doing it hands-on then they process it and it, it's, it becomes something different to them doesn't it you can tell them it you can they can read a book about it but it's really good to be involved in it I think um yeah well perhaps because that's how I work yeah I think a lot of people who would agree with you David Attenborough for a start and then does oh he's like my hero <laughs> so have you found with these older children that you've had more of an interest I guess in response um, to the pandemic. I think maybe there's been more of an interest. I've certainly seen locally there's more children getting out and about and involved, which is great. But my concern is that that will stop when life can go back to normal, you know, whatever normal is. But I, I think that's my concern. So it's like that thing of trying to get them now while they're still really interested and I don't know I'm just I'm quite passionate about getting different age groups out because I feel like perhaps from a personal perspective I so our oldest is 12 well nearly 12 and I see a huge decline in the number of children at his age who are out in nature you know, they're all at activities and very structured things, which, you know, they have they definitely have their place. But I'm quite passionate about the older ones having that freedom, too, because I feel like they don't they don't have that so much. And if you can have it out in nature, then, you know, the connection you, you gain there is far beyond just being outside, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. And I, I yes, think as well, so if we get them while they're young as well. So if we, these children, you know, coming to your sessions, if they start at that point, rather than trying to start later on in life, it's embedded in them. It's it's part of their own self and, and their family culture and it just becomes easier. But it's like, I, it makes me think going back to the episode we did with Claire Carey, where she says she can't, cannot connect with nature from inside a room looking at a book. It's just not possible, I think, to get that true, true response and to elicit that passion from someone. You need to experience it. And I think they need to experience it early on possible. I had my six month old in the garden. He was, he's got a mat and he crawled off it and he was, he's sitting there putting his nose yeah. in the daisies. 
Oh, how sweet. <laughs> having, oh, bless Having him. a nibble on a pine cone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, there's no, no, you know, nothing better, is there? Mm. But I think, you know, there's so many positives, isn't there, to being outside in nature. And I recently did, um, during lockdown, I did my therapeutic forest Tra- practitioner training with the therapeutic and that was amazing that was really insightful it was made me think about some different things which I think was great and really really helpful and it's just I think just doing that that one course and rethinking a few bits and pieces you suddenly think yeah okay yeah I can do that it's sometimes you just need that yeah I'm on the right track you know I'm, I'm thinking the right things I'm not I'm you know I have to say I'm not someone that really follows <laughs> follows the crowd anyway but, but I'm just really passionate I just really want to get children of all ages out and to be honest with you I want to get them out together you know I don't think there should be a big you're two you're you're 16 you shouldn't be doing stuff together I think there's a massive benefit in children of different ages being together and helping each other you, you know I learned so much from being with a two-year-old so so can they and and vice versa you know children look up to these bigger children don't they They think they're amazing and i just think there's there's so much benefit in it so 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 let's go back to the enterprises so you've got your eco group Mm -hmm. what else are you working on at the moment um so i've got a volunteer group for d of e children who are year nine and they've been amazing they've been absolutely amazing they're from a local secondary school and they've helped me with some conservation projects on site for the people who own the site. They've helped me. I sadly had some vandalism during the pandemic where my site pretty much got burnt to the floor. And they were amazing. They came in and they helped me tidy it up and just, oh, they were just so sweet. Um, How did you go about putting that group together? How do you go about, did you connect with the local secondary school? or One of them I, I knew through my son. And then a couple of other people approached me just to say, oh, I've heard such and such is, is doing that. Could we join? And I was, yeah, absolutely. The more the merrier. You know, it's not a huge group, but it's lovely. And we actually end up just spending a lot of our time chatting because at 14, you need a chat, don't you? You need to have a chat about your day and you need to decompress and you need to perhaps sometimes have a bit of a moan. And, and that's fine. That's what I'm there for. But actually, they've all finished their volunteering and they've all asked if they can carry on. So that is amazing for me. That's I think that says it all, doesn't it? I mean, I was over the moon. So they're now helping with my eco group. They're going to be my helpers, which is lovely. And then what other groups have I got? I'm starting, I'm hoping to start a baby group because I feel like, I mean, having a baby during a pandemic must just be just so difficult. I mean, it's, it's I mean, having a baby full stop is, is quite, t- quite tiring. And, and I think this year more than ever, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine. I think there are a lot of people looking to connect. And I think it sounds like you're a wonderful person to do that and to create some connections. So yeah, go for it. Definitely. Well, I, well, I think if you can do it in a, in a gentle way and it's, you know, if you can just sit there and have someone make your cup of tea, I think probably that, you know, that's all you really want, isn't it? You just want someone with a smile. And to be honest, all I want to do is hug people at the moment, <laughs> but I'm not allowed. <laughs> so, so that's on the cards. And then I'm also... During the pandemic, I trained as a mental health first aider, children's mental health first aider. Oh, dear. I'm quite passionate about well-being and children and adults' mental health. So that is definitely a direction I'm heading this year. And then how are you going to fit in? This progression into a nursery. How? Where does this fit in with this? Well, this is this is this is what I'm trying to figure out at the moment. I think I'm at the point of having to employ people. 
which I find really quite scary because I think because it is something that is purely driven by my heart, it's very hard to, to pass to pass that over to, to other people. I think you just need to find people with similar interests, similar values. You know the right people, don't you? You meet them some in your day-to-day life and you think, oh, you're amazing. You know the right people for, for, what, for what you want, don't you, in your business. I think that's my biggest stumbling block at the moment. It's a big undertaking and it can be a bit of a shock to the system. I think you need to look to your community because you are so community driven and you're busy making connections with people. It sounds to me that you'll be able to find someone actually in your network, in your community, perhaps that you hadn't thought of. I mean, even, you know, those young teens, a lovely apprentice might be amongst those and they can be the easiest to work to because to work with because you're helping to shape their views and ultimately it, 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 they don't come with a load of baggage basically of learning things another way and then having to relearn which can be difficult for some people well well also i think it is one of those jobs i mean you know it's it looks you know people oh it's lovely you're outside all day it's hard isn't it it's hard work you know it's it is beautiful it is amazing but it is really hard work your body's tired it's like you're saying you have to plan for different things it is a really hard job and it's I mean it's incredibly rewarding um so I think it's about finding people that can see both sides but I think you know as soon as you, as soon as you find you find you think you found someone or you that clicks in your mind, oh, I really like you actually. That yeah, mm, we, yes. we you grab that person. You don't let them go. <laughs> I will, I'll be like that. <laughs> Never mind hugging, I'll be <laughs> <laughs> Because that's how you will move forward. That that is how that will happen naturally, as in moving into the next stages. And I'm ready for that. I think before the pandemic I don't think I was. Now I think perhaps gave me space to think things through. I am ready for that now. Because I think then I can, what I can offer can impact more families and it can be more inclusive. And that's ultimately what I want. So I have to get someone else to help me. Yeah, it's a question of confidence. It's moving forward with confidence. And that's hard when it's something new and different. But absolutely, you hit the nail on the head. If it's about creating bigger impact, and you will by doing this, moving into a nursery setup. It sounds absolutely spot on um, and ready to go it's it's just that I've registered nearly registered a couple of times in the last two years and then gone oh I can't I'm, I'm not ready for that oh I'm not ready for that but I am I am and it's that thing of you know having it is you're right it's having confidence in yourself isn't it yeah and the person that you're going to do with because you, you need to take someone with you to do it um so yeah find that person and then all will come together yeah, never let them go <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Carly did you think that you would be doing something like this do you did you know that you had an entrepreneurial streak in you yes and no I previously with a friend we set up a business late teens early 20s as we did like a mobile crash so we'd go to weddings and and look after the children so I, I dipped my toe in a little bit then but I think because I'm quite informal I've always gone oh I'm not sure about that I'm not sure about that because I do love a chat and I do love to do things perhaps in a slightly different way but then I think the wonderful thing about forest school is you can do it in your own way. So suddenly setting up a business and didn't seem so scary because I think it was driven by passion. Everything else I just had to figure out. I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate. My sister's self-employed and runs her own business. So she kind of, you know, gave me that, not, gave me that confidence, I guess. 
but she said, you know, you can do it. You'll be fine. You can do it. And my mum and dad, my dad's self-employed. He's, yeah, you can definitely do this. So I think I've grown up around it. I've probably not always been very good at following rules. <laughs> so <laughs> actually you. doing it my own way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it suits me. It, it appeals to me being able to do things in my own way and also allowing other people to do things in their own way. I think that's a, it's got a big appeal to me is I think I'd like to employ people, but I'd like to employ people in a way that they still feel like they've got freedom. I want them to come to work and love what they do and not feel like they're at work because I don't feel like I'm at work when I'm there. I kind of want that to carry on through really. Has doing this enabled you to have a decent income? Um... <laughs> everybody, everybody put um at the answer to this question. Do you, do you know what? I think if I allowed it to, it probably would. Uh-huh. I think up until this point, and actually my partner and I were discussing this earlier, up until this point, everything I've earned, I put back into my business. Yeah. Um, because... I thought, oh, I just need to do this. I just need to do this. I just need to do this. But actually, there does come a point where you suddenly go, actually, I do just need to pay myself a little bit for this because it's, I do need to earn money. I do need to support my family. It's that thing, isn't it? You've got to help yourself first before you can help others. So I think that's also something I've learned is that I have to look after myself, not necessarily financially, but in general first. And then I can, it gives me more energy and more passion to help other people. Um, So that's definitely something I've had to think about more recently, um, the financial side of things. I don't know. I think, do you make a fortune running a forest school? Probably not. Because I think to be fully inclusive, I don't know if you can. You know, it's, it's a really difficult one. And it's taken me a long time to say, I think because it's a role I've kind of created where I want to nurture people and I want to have an impact and I want to help people. It makes it really difficult because you think, oh, well, I can't charge for that. Or I don't want to charge for that because they really need it. Do you know what I mean? I it's, it's, so, it's so difficult. It's so yeah. difficult. This, this is who you are, Kai. This is because you serve <laughs> your community. You cannot give all of yourself and your money to all of your community, though. No. Yeah, I think you know that. No. That's, yes, yes. I this, think I've realised that, yes. <laughs> this is why moving into a nursery setup will help you and enable you to be more inclusive because you will have 15 hours funding. You will have 30 hours funding. This will absolutely help you. You'll also, as well, as you take on more children in terms of having additional needs or special educational needs, they'll be able to use personal budgets. They'll be able to use any graduated response funding as well. There's lots and lots of DAF funding. There's lots and lots of different funding available, but those are only available to those who are registered so this is the difficult route and gets a bit scary of oh i've got to actually sign up and get registered with a a regulatory body but on the other side it opens up so many doors i think it's that isn't it it's that difficulty of when i started i was like i don't want to tick the boxes i don't want to you know i think that's i grapple with that a little bit because there's a lot about the educational system that really really isn't okay with me but then i think There's ways of, you know, I think that, again, it's the amazing thing about forest school and being outside. There's so many ways to meet those needs without having to tick the boxes in the same way, isn't there? You know, it's so I think it's definitely the route to go down, like you're saying, for financial stability. I think it's probably, yeah, a good way of going. It will enable you to tick the boxes for yourself, which is important first. 
So to pay yourself first and then open up doors for inclusivity and to support more families and have bigger impact. This is why we do these podcasts, to share these stories and to empower people like you to actually, you know, to take those steps forward and to know that you can do that. Other people have done it. and But I also understand the security of doing your own thing in these small groups. And if they're enabling you to have the happiness and fulfillment that you want and also the living that you want financially, go ahead, carry on. But if you want to have bigger impact, and I hear that in you... You're absolutely yes, right. Yes, absolutely. Ready to go. Yeah. Yes. You should. Yes. Yeah, so you guys are the ones to chat to, aren't you? <laughs> we are. Yeah. <laughs> Ask away. Absolutely. And like you say, you're only up the road. So <laughs> yes, you um, should come and visit us. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, what would you say to people who are thinking about making a career change? Someone who's passionate about being outside with children, and they don't know how to, what to do. What would you say to them? Well, I'd say do it. You know, I think I'm one of those people. I think you've got to try things, haven't you? And what works for me might not work for somebody else. And for somebody who, like we were saying about stay and play and nurture groups, there's difference, isn't isn't there? There's different groups you can do. And there's there's so many avenues you can go down. But I can't praise the Forest School ethos highly enough. It's just amazing. And I wish I'd had it as a child. And I wish I'd Probably. I wish I'd done it years ago, really. But yeah, so I would I would say do it. Go for it. What about those teachers? Because so I know here in the West Midlands, a number of years ago, there was a huge investment in getting teachers to do forest school training. So think about all of those teachers who have left teaching because we've had we've had a big exodus at the moment, particularly teachers leaving primary or that disillusioned teacher sitting, listening to this in their car on the way to work. Got my forest school training and I, I want to do something else. What would you say to them? Well, I think it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think we all want something very different from life, don't we? And I think perhaps I run slightly differently to some people because I am quite informal and perhaps my own personal ethos might be different to others. And I think it depends on your financial requirements, doesn't it? You know, it's a hard, I wouldn't say leave teaching and you're going to make a fortune (laughs) because I'd be lying. (laughs) But I think the more children we can get outside, the better. I think that can only have a positive impact moving forward. And if you love being outside, just try it. You've got to try it, haven't you? I think so. That was the most measured and sensible response to that question I think I've ever had. You say you're not organised, <laughs> but you are. <laughs> I just don't realise it. <laughs> I do think, I'm going to challenge you, I do think there is a way to do this with making a, a good income that is right for your family. I think it's about sitting down and really going through a process of weighing up what is important to you and what you need and want because they're two separate things obviously we're just finishing putting together some free training for people who are interested in setting something up and it takes you through a whole process of thinking about your own context what you've just alluded to really and how to get to those next steps and things to think about as well like in terms of a practical sense even looking at a site because you can get really excited when you see a piece of land but actually what are you really looking for in terms of what makes a good site you know these things are important so keep an eye out for for that that'll be coming up on the website in the next couple of weeks but Carly it's been inspiring and I think you've come from a place of grief and 
unimaginable pain, I'm sure. And to now have something that is so special and that's still evolving and will still continue to grow and get very exciting in the in the near future, no doubt. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Oh, thank you. It's been lovely to chat to you too. That's brilliant. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you.